This is the Life in the Front Office podcast. I want to first thank all of our listeners to making this a success and helping us continue to grow. We bring on sports executives and professionals from around the industry, all different aspects of the industry, to provide insights and advice for those who are trying to enter the sports industry or those who are already in the industry just looking to learn something new and continue to get better. If you like our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and visit our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com for more episodes. Welcome to another episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I've got my good friend, Louis Iglesias. Uh, Louis and I go back to our, our time in Athens, and extremely excited to have him on the podcast. Um, back a couple, about a week, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Jeff White on from the NJCAA and Jeff's career really took him, uh, through all sorts of jobs out of sports to get to his first job of sports. And Louie's kind of the opposite. Louie was, and he'll, he'll dive into it, but Louie was a college tennis player at Toledo and ended up going to work for the NFL, uh, a couple different organizations, et cetera. And so... Now he's a, a banker at one of the, the major banks in the U.S. and really want to touch with, touch on a couple of things with Louie today uh, about you know what transferable skills there are from sports into other careers. Uh, so Louie, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jake. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's just dive into where did you go after Toledo when you were done playing college tennis and uh, give us give us your story. Oh, man, I got to refer to my notes. I don't know if I can remember that far back. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, from Toledo, um, the f- interesting thing is when I was going to school at Toledo, uh, a little bit about you know my background leading up to that point, uh, Toledo's where I, I went and I was a uh, uh, Division One athlete four years, uh, and um, I went to high school in Miami, Florida. I'm of, uh, I was born in Cuba, very lucky to get out when I was young, <laughs> very young lad, and uh, I'm blessed by the Lord to give me the opportunity to to uh, come into the U.S. Uh, at a very young age and grew up in the U.S. But for the most part, I grew up in Miami, did my junior tennis in Florida. And that's what led me to that uh, to a tennis scholarship in Toledo, of all places. Normally, um, you know, when you're from the south, you try not to go up north for schooling. At least, <laughs> you know, like if, if you want to do Florida in the wintertime and and uh, the in the north in the summertime, but somehow I had it backwards. But at any rate, um, I went to Toledo uh, to study uh, international business, specializing in marketing. I thought for all the lo- longest time I was going to go into international sales when I really discovered that my true passion was sport. And uh, and so when I was finishing up my my four year uh, business degree, my BBA at Toledo, uh, you know, I was like, I was like, you know what? Uh, I, I, I just don't know if I want to go into international sales in Latin America, I, you know, that the path was created for me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bilingual, I'm fluent in English and Spanish, I'm equal in both ways. And, uh, and, but that's not where my heart was. And, um, after talking and seeking and, you know, advice and counsel, I had my own personal advisory board, which uh, other Ohio U alums will, will, uh, will, will tell you about that's what everybody has to have. Um, and they say, Hey, follow your heart, follow, follow your passion. So, so I pursued it. Uh, and then the, the big break I got was, uh, uh, the Detroit Red Wings gave me a marketing internship, um, uh, 
after after I finished Toledo. Uh, so had uh, got, got a great experience there. Cut my teeth in their marketing department up there at Joe Louis Arena, and and uh, wonderful people there working for the Illich family. Um, it was just a phenomenal experience. That experience combined with being a student athlete at Toledo uh, really is what put my a package together that when, when I went to, and I realized that I needed to get a grad degree in, 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 in sports administration, uh, it really you know, set the table for it. Uh, I interviewed for a couple of schools and I was lucky, lucky to get into a couple of them. And, and then, you know, when you, the problem is when you get accepted into multiple schools is you got to make a decision and narrow it down. And, uh, there were two programs in particular that really stood out, um, and I just couldn't make a decision. Uh, and uh, I was fortunate enough, very blessed to, to, to get an offer for Ohio University. Now, back then, this is back in the Mesozoic era, the, the sports administration <laughs> degree at Ohio University was just one year. And it's an MSA, Master's in Sports Administration. That's it. Whereas today, and a lot of the more recent alums are benefiting from uh, a lot of the great work that uh, Dr. Andy Kreutzer did uh, back at the, around, I think it was around 2000, uh, where they partnered up with the College of Business and they created a dual uh, master's program with the MBA with the Master's Sports Administration. Boy, I wished I was around in my day. Um, I would have just done the whole thing at Ohio, but, uh, but I didn't have that option. But, uh, but, you, but I did. But have, you went, you went blue, right? Yeah. I, so, so, so I, I did the Master's in Sports Administration, and the other program that I, I really didn't, you know, want, you know, because they were they had two different. No, slants to it and i and i really didn't want to walk away from the other one um was the university of michigan uh back then they, the, the, their 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 programs kind of shifted directions today but back then uh under the direction of dr jack vivian they had a, a, a an elite uh, master's program in sport facility management, um, where everything from the feasibility studies, the planning, the design, the construction and operations of recreational sport facilities. Um, and, 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 and so I was able to arrange it where I did my master's sports administration at Ohio U and then back to back, follow that up with, uh, with a, with a follow-up graduate degree, uh, from the university of Michigan in their, it was in their school of kinesiology, but it was their uh, sport facility management program under, under um, uh, Dr. Jack Vivian. And, and the person who kind of steered me in that direction, uh, who is, uh, uh, was Pat Malloy, who was a Ohio U alum, because he knew kind of the difficult decision I had. And he was the one that's, that's kind of suggested that, why don't you combine the two and, 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 and carve out a path that no one had done previous to that. And, uh, and, and, you know, he, um, sadly he died, you know, a few years later, but, uh, but, uh, that, but that was one of the best uh, advice he ever gave me. And uh, on top of, well, he, he did a lot of great things for me, especially when I got to, to, to Michigan and, and helping me out in so many ways. Um, but uh, you don't get to this life. You don't get to where you are without the help of some great people. And, and uh, he'll always be in, 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 in my heart for, for everything he did for me. But, uh, but, but that was a, a turning point. And so um, I, I, I pursued both those degrees. And then moving on from there, the first opportunity right off the bat was a was uh, I get a phone call from Len Perna, who's now at uh, who started his company Turnkey Sports. But prior to that, mm -hmm. he was uh, uh, he was um, the, the he was a legal counsel for the Dallas Stars. Uh, 
and uh, he recruited me down. And um, and this is kind of a, you know, the reason you go to a Michigan, the reason you go to Ohio U sports, you know, sports administration, is the alumni. Uh, and 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 if you're fortunate enough to get in one of those schools, you will become part of a family that uh, that will really help you open up doors. So long as you don't burn bridges, but uh, but sure. they'll, really, they'll, they'll really open up <laughs> doors for you, um, and provided that you're willing to open up doors for others. Uh, and uh, and I've been blessed to, to be to belong to two wonderful alumni. Uh, and uh, so Len Perno was first up uh, on my career path, um, where he gave me that first opportunity to to be a um, uh, to be a, basically a, um, manage uh, the the Dallas Stars practice facility back then. Back then, this was I'm going to take you back to uh, I'm going to date myself here. Uh, 19, yeah, the mid '90s, <laughs> uh, and uh, and you know back in you know, the the Dallas Stars had not been in Dallas very long. They had moved down. They were the original Minnesota North Stars for you sport historians uh, out there. Uh, there you go. And then and so they came down. When they came down. Uh, to to the Dallas Fort Worth area, there was only one ice rink in the entire Dallas Fort Worth metroplex. Mind you, the entire metro, the the, the Dallas Fort Worth area, is uh, one of the top five um, markets in terms of population in the country, and it's you know, continuing growing. They knew that if, if the NHL was going to survive, they needed to grow it, and so one of my roles there, uh, in addition to assisting in the, in the management of the of the practice facility is I helped Len put together some demand analysis and, and uh, partial feasibility studies as uh, they, the, 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 the team back then looked to partner up with, uh, with uh, townships around, the, around the, the, met, the, the metropolitan area of the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, to, to build ice rinks where the stars would have uh, sponsorship on every So basically, the, the cities would create, hey, we'll give you, you know, a great deal on this land, give you a tax break, come and build one of your Dallas Stars, uh, Dr. Pepper Star Centers here. So, so, so that way the team would have a footprint, the brand would grow, you'd expose uh, just the, not just the sport of hockey, but, but figure skating and all the, the activities that take place on ice, mm-hmm. growing the culture of, 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 of hockey and, and winter sports in the, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And today, uh, geez, I, I, I had to look up at there's, there's, I want to say there's about 10 to 15 ice rinks just around the entire Metroplex. And so uh, wow. we, when I was there, we started high school hockey basically out of our office. Uh, and, uh, and so it was, it, it was truly a fun experience um, from there. It took me to my next opportunity um, where uh, I was able to uh, uh, work for the Texas Rangers on the radio broadcast side. Back then it was uh, KRLD and, uh, and uh, so, uh, sold mar- marketing packages for the radio broadcast. Uh, so did that for a little bit. And then from there, I took a little detour. Uh, tennis was always a passion you know, for me. And, um, and then it's like, you know what, maybe I want to be a tennis director at a, at a, at a country club or what have you. And so I, um, veered off, uh, became a, a tennis pro at a country club. From there, I became, uh, the director of a junior tennis academy, grew an academy of over a hundred kids, uh, ended up, uh, I was, I was lucky to get one of those really kids 
good athletes that ended up being a two-time NCAA All-American at Oklahoma, Dane Webb. Uh, if you're, I mean, if you're a coach of any kind, uh, you're blessed if you get just one of those your entire life. Where as good as he was a player, a two-time All-American, he's an even better person. And so I was, I was blessed to have that. Uh, but then the opportunity of a lifetime really is what, you know, to, to me, this was, you know, you get that moment in life like, oh, wow. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the big wow moment. And it, I'm taking you now down to like uh, the 2000, uh, it was 2007. And um, the Jerry Jones had, was th- at this point starting to put together his team to, um, to uh, as, he, th- th- as the final plans were in place to build the new stadium for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they were getting ready to close down the, the previous stadium, Texas Stadium in Irving. He hires uh, OU uh, Bobcat, um, Chad Estes. And uh, that was, I mean, we have more time. I'll tell you, that was a great story how, how he was hired on that. Uh, but, uh, but, but essentially, Chad, um, you know, basically tells Jerry, I'll be happy to head up this project, but I need some 30-some-odd sales reps, and I need an aggressive commission structure. And, you know, I, you know I'm going to paint the picture here. It was a 2007. Jerry Bay, uh, it was a year right before, you know, the the, crash. The, yeah, 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 it was a year before the crash. And Jerry's putting together a sales staff to sell a $1.2 billion stadium, which in, in, in today's terms, it's like, I mean, it's okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, you know, there have been other stadiums, but go back, go back 12 years. A $1.2 billion stadium back then was, was record setting. And uh, and he was going to do it where ninety percent of the stadium was going to be with uh, seat seat licenses, um, and price points where the highest price point um, ended up being just in a regular seat is a quarter of a million dollars, uh, where you have club area seats that ranged anywhere from one hundred fifty thousand dollars just for the seat license down to sixteen thousand dollars, and uh, and then ticket prices around they're in the three hundred forty dollar range. Um, and then the market crashed. Yeah, we sold that baby out. Uh, back in 2016, uh, I'm sorry, it was 2015, uh, the Jones family, I mean, they were, you talk about, you learn about people, particularly the Jones family, when the cameras aren't around. And uh, what was really special, at this point, I'm a professor at Ohio U. You know, we, we did our job there. And uh, he uh, invited uh, the original sales staff back uh, for a black tie gala, uh, put us up uh, three nights in the, um, at the Omni Hotel in Dallas and uh, had a black tie affair at the, in, in the stadium where Jerry has his suite, uh, where just food drinks and just gave us, uh, you know, just kind of like a one last time where we can all meet, you know, come together and, and celebrate the fact that we sold $600 million dollars. In wow, which uh, I, it, it is a record, but it's a record. I, I think the next closest team hasn't even reached three hundred million. Uh, we'll see what the we'll see what um, what the, what the, the Rams. Uh, yeah, yeah, what, what Kroenke is able to to muster up there in L.A. I mean, we'll you know it will be interesting to see how 
how how how how those how that goes out and how the the Raiders do. Um, but uh, but you know, in terms of what we did, no one had ever done that before, and it was truly you know the it, the Cowboys experience was was truly an amazing experience. And um, as you know, my time wound up there. We're pretty much it's one of those jobs you kind of sell yourself out of a job. And, um, and then that was at around that time in 2012, um, you know, kind of going back now a little bit, but, uh, but that's when Ohio university reached out to me. Uh, they were very impressed with, uh, what we had accomplished in Dallas, uh, with the new stadium and, um, inquired if, you know, with, you know, especially, you know, they, they inquired if, Hey, would you be interested in coming up to Ohio U and be a, uh, a, a, an executive in residence and be the assistant director for the center for sports administration, uh, where, where my job would be in addition to teaching and, and I end up teaching, uh, sports sales and facility management, sport facility management combined with, uh, being the career management advisor for the sport management students at Ohio. And I could tell you, um, uh, of all in terms of the most rewarding opportunities I've had in my life, the opportunity to work one-on-one with uh, the students from Ohio is something that is, it will always be special to me. And I still stay in touch with many of them. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I, I, I still miss that job. Yeah. I mean, obviously you've had quite amount, quite the amount of experiences, you know, what's interesting is you went from, tennis playing tennis to working in hockey and working in football and and then and obviously you did the coaching the the pro thing at on the tennis side but um you know for a lot of athletes they they typically go in right into or try and go right into the the sport that they just left right what was kind of your mindset behind getting experience in hockey and football well i didn't i didn't know how much i was going to miss tennis until i left it and so I, I thought, you know, I had par- carved a path where, all right, I want to, you know, originally when I, when I graduated, um, I went to Ohio, I went to Michigan with the intent of being, uh, work, getting on with a, with a pro- professional sport organization and, 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 and working my way towards being, you know, uh, on the executive level there. Um, and then, you know, life happened. <laughs> uh, sure. When, you know, you start off with those goals. But if, you know, you can go about it one or two ways, and I'm not saying one is correct. I'm not saying the other one's incorrect. You can have that tunnel vision and you're just going to, you know, basically here's a job you're doing right now. And then as other opportunities present themselves, you can look at it. Is that going to help me get to where I want to go? Yes. No. Make your decision accordingly. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. However, I've always adopted the philosophy where if someone wants to discuss an opportunity with me, I'm always going to have the conversation. I will always have the conversation, uh, but I reserve the right to just to, to decide whether this is for me or not for me. Uh, because right. as I, as I've always advised when I advise my students, when I was working with them and, and developing their resume and their career management, you know, what have you is you've reached the point of a certain point of maturity when you can hear someone out, they can make you an offer and you can think about it go through the process of making the proper decision and the proper decision could be, Hey, you might be a great fit for that organization, but you know what? That organization may not be the right fit for you at that particular time. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And the toughest time to be able to do that is when you don't have anything else lined up, but you know that's not <laughs> the right fit for you, and right. be able to say, "Hey, thanks, but no thanks," and, and you do it the right way, obviously. But but uh, but that's um, and I've had a lot of those where it's like, "Hey, you know what? Sounds interesting. Sounds like something I'd like to do, but uh, um, but um, timing's not right." Yeah, but I you know I appreciate it, and you know, and let you. Know, I mean, timing's everything, right? I mean, timing's everything, and, and uh, it, well, it's, it's it's a big part of it. It definitely is, a, you know, a big part of it. And so, uh, uh, you know, then, you know, the, um, what I was saying is timing is everything, but I've kind of bounced around a uh, couple different things. And, uh, you know, is that the right way? I mean, could I have, have I stayed tunnel vision? Could I have just been with a different sport organization? Possibly. Um, um, but is it what I would have ultimately wanted to do? Because here's, here's one thing, what you want when you're 25 years old, warning, as, <laughs> warning. You, as, as, as life, as, as life goes on, what you want may change. Sure. What I wanted at age 25 is not what I wanted at age 50 now. Right. You know, things well, and, and, and everywhere in between too. Right. right. I mean, and, and, yeah. And every stage, you know, what have you. So what, what I, you know, what I always, you know, encourage folks is, is at least once a year uh, when you take like that annual vacation. And if you're not taking a vacation, at least once a year, um, <laughs> I encourage you to do so. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but whether it's a walk on the beach, you're riding a horse somewhere, just getting out and just kind of thinking and just evaluate. You know, I always like to kind of do it around the, you know, the, if, if I was working for a sports team, you know, in the off season or if it's, you know, maybe sometime around Christmas or right as the New Year starts when you're starting fresh. But, but basically, give yourself a time to, you know, go into, you know, just kind of into some cave, uh, so to speak, but just uh, into some quiet time and reflect. I think reflection is something that is often overrated or mm-hmm. under, underrated, excuse me, um, yeah. in terms of, all right, you got to set goals and it's okay for goals to change, but you got to come back and revisit them, though. You just says, okay, I set goals, but then you never come back and, and revisit them. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you, if, if you, if you do pivots, you know, you know, I, I've kind of did a lot of the, the Yogi Bear. Um, you know, I saw a lot of forks. I've came across a lot of forks in the road and I've taken many of them, not all, but I've taken many. And, right. and, you know, so if you're evaluating and, and, and it's like, Hey, in this next year, here's what I want to accomplish. And here's where I'd like to be two, three, four years out. But then a year later, what have you, you know what? That was cool a year ago, but my life's changed. It, things have changed. Circumstances have changed. Or here's an opportunity that I didn't anticipate. Boom, you know, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta be open, you know, essentially to that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 it's okay to say no, but it's also okay to make a ninety degree pivot from where you thought you wanted to be eighteen months earlier. Sure. Uh, it's uh, because uh, it's you know, it's just taking life as it comes. Right. Well, and, and you obviously had multiple stops uh, within the pro sports realm and then you go into banking and you go and you had, you had one point before that gone and, and done the tennis Academy thing again, right back in Dallas. And yeah. And then I guess, what there was, there was a little now that, now that was something where 
you know, I, that was not anticipated. Uh, if I had my, my, my choice, I'd still be in Athens, Ohio, being a professor today. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, and, and I need to provide this context for the audience. Uh, back in 2016, uh, my wife uh, was pregnant with our first child. And uh, at 16 weeks, she lost it uh, due to a, a, you know, a massive fibroid. Uh, and she was so far along, she still needed to deliver stillborn. Um, and that was easily the hardest part that I've ever encountered in my life. I don't wish that on anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but I share that because of the blessing that you never know what's around the corner uh, from, from our lives, a lot of times from tragedies that we've experienced, many blessings are born from. And in our case, uh, you know, we, in a follow-up, um, we met with, um, with, a gynecologist in, in, in Athens, Ohio. And she was like, she was point blank. And she's like, you know, uh, that fibroid is, is massive. Um, it is, it is beyond our capability here. We don't, I personally don't think you guys are going to be able to have children. I know you don't want to hear that, but I want to leave you some hope. Uh, I could refer you to some great doctors up in Columbus at Ohio state and what have you, but uh, I've seen this before. And I just, you know, if you're going to have, if you have any chance at all to have a family, how old do you know, Dallas, Texas, everybody looks at me and, you know, cause like she had no idea that I had, you know, spent 18 years previously in, in, in Dallas. And she's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I know I happen to know it very well. Like, well, uh, UT Southwestern Hospital ends up being one of the top high-risk pregnancy hospitals in the United States. Great research. Uh, in fact, uh, the textbooks that come out of there are the same textbooks they use at Ohio University in their med school. And, uh, and, uh, and she's like, the person who can perform the state-of-the-art surgery that your wife needs, if you guys want to have a family, is down there. And I turned to my wife, and we had, and we sat down, we talked about it. It's like, I got a great opportunity here, but we'd be remiss if we didn't give every opportunity to have a family. And those are difficult decisions that you know couples are across you know the world are are faced with. Hey, do we you know do we have to move to at a chance of having a family, or do we want to give up the job? What have you? There's no wrong one there. Uh, you just got to have the process, uh, create a process that, that works and, and commit to it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we went through our process and we made the decision, Hey, we're going to go for a family. And, uh, we you know, came down, she had the surgery, uh, not long after that, uh, she got pregnant and, uh, we were blessed, uh, exactly 18 months ago. Um, she gave birth to our, to our first daughter, uh, the little Emmy and, uh, and, and, and we're tickled to death and to the point where, you know, the last 18 months have been such a blessing. I couldn't imagine what life could be uh, if she wasn't in our lives. And so that kind of puts into perspective because this is a part that doesn't get discussed enough, particularly mm-hmm. young aspiring uh, uh, men and women wanting to get into the sports field is how do you factor in, you, whatever family ambitions you want to have at some point, because it's it's not like you can walk into a Walgreens and and and, and go to aisle three and pick out a spouse. That doesn't work <laughs> that way. <laughs> uh, I mean, it doesn't, it's not it doesn't it's not suggested. Let's no, just say and that. So it's, it's not like okay, I'm going to wait till my mid thirties and I'm going to settle down. It's like oh, hello, it takes two to tango. Uh, <laughs> and, and so it's just uh, it's 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 a lot of things that need to come together. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and one of the things that I also kind of have learned in talking with many people and, and just being part of the Ohio university family where, you know, it just affords you the opportunity to, 
to, to talk with people who are, you know, from athletic directors at premier institutions to, you know, presidents and vice presidents of different professional sport franchises to everything in between. And what, what I've always found, you know, to, to be the case is how there's just so many different, you know, opportunities, but then as life goes on, you know, things change and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and that's okay. That's, that's okay. Embrace change. Um, because that's, there's, there's so many blessings with each opportunity where doors are closing, doors are also opening. And, um, and then if I look back on my life, I could just see, oh yeah, I could see logic now where at the times perhaps it, it didn't appear logical. Sure. So let's, so let's talk about embracing the change, right? Yeah. You, you change career paths a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and with, with having the daughter and everything, obviously just your work-life balance has changed period, but absolutely. Let's let's talk about the skills that you gain throughout your time in the sports industry and how they translate to what you're doing now. And and I guess provide the perspective that it's okay to do maybe something like what Jeff did uh, in our previous conversation and go through different careers and then end up in sports or vice versa. You know, you can work in sports and then there are jobs uh, waiting for you outside the industry. You know, my, one of my bosses, my former bosses and mentors always told me, uh, you know, on the sponsorship side, he always wanted to, no, he didn't and, and that's okay, but he always wanted or wondered what it would be like to represent a brand. He goes, you don't get paid that much in sports, but man, by those brands, you could get paid a lot more and you get to spend the money. You don't have to ask for the money. And, uh, you know, again, similar to what you're doing and, and something different outside of the industry. Uh, what's, what's maybe the couple of things that you picked up over the, over the last couple of years? I tell you what, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that the more I bounce, more I have bounced around to different opportunities. What I notice is more what is similar than what is different because it doesn't matter what, you know, cause unless you are, you know, I mean, and feel free to agree or disagree with, with, with what I'm about to say. Unless you are the actual athlete on the field, the court, the ice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you're the coach on the sideline or the scout. You're not in the immediate as- aspect of the sport. You're in the supporting aspect of the sport. Which is still better than, you know, is still more enjoyable than selling widgets. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Right. You're still right. part of it. You're still part of the whole, you know, the, 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 it's, it's, you still fall under that umbrella of sport. But our by we can only play for so long. Okay. You know, if right. those are those who have been fortunate enough to play at the highest levels. And, you know, when I would advise um, um, at Ohio uh, athletes that were good enough to, to at least take a, a stab at the next level. I always say you play until someone, until your body says you can't play anymore or someone says you can't play. And then you're faced with a decision. Do you want to coach? And that's when you make that decision. And, and if it's not what you want to, if you're coaching or scouting, is that what you want to do? Then you come see me and then we'll get you in the business. <laughs> okay. And so, but, but that's the way it's gotta be. Cause I get, cause you, you, you alluded to earlier, there is a window, you know, uh, to, to take advantage of certain, you know, you know, opportunities. Uh, and, and once it's gone, like, I mean, you're out of sight, out of mind. If, uh, if you don't, if you don't act on it. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so, uh, as it, as it, as it relates to, to, you know, in, in my case, whether I was worth selling, uh, sponsorship partnerships with the Rangers, selling seat licenses with, uh, the Cowboys or, uh, try, you know, just working with an individual as it relates to their retirement plan or, or, or their private banking or what have you. There's more in common than there is different. The process is what, what I'm saying is the process is, is very similar. Mm-hmm. You're still prospecting. You're still getting people in front of you. You're still building the rapport. You're still building the relationship. You're trying to build credibility. You're, you're, you're putting together a value statement. Um, and you want, you want, at the end of the day, you want to deliver value to another individual or, or, or organization that, you know, that they, they need. And it's up to you to be able to deliver. Um, I mean, basically, I've kind of described, you know, in, you know, in, in part, the sales process. Right. But is sales not a sport? And, you know, when I, when I would do sales training and, and, and lectures, you know, I, I would always get a kick out of people in the audience when, 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 when they look at me and what have you. is like you get that look on the face like, oh, I, I can never go into sales. I can't, I can't sell. And I'm like, you ever gone an interview for a job? You ever gone to your boss and proposed, you know, an idea of something may perhaps you want to do? Mm-hmm. Ever uh, ask a girl or uh, or a girl ever ask a guy on a date? Uh, Jake, we're selling every day. Just selling, selling yourself. Better. Yeah, it's a, everybody's selling. Just you know, you're just some people are better than others. But here's the kicker: everybody can be better. Everyone can be better at selling. Everybody can be. It was so much is spent on. The concept of building a brand, whether it's your individual brand or the brand that you're working for, or if it's a corporation building the brand, and 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 you got to be careful because you could tear down in 15 seconds what's taken 30 years to build. That mm-hmm. is really true. But at the end of the day, the process, whether you're in banking, whether you are uh, selling seat licenses in the NFL, whether you're selling sponsorships in Major League Baseball, um, wh- wh- whether you are you know, basically running a tennis academy and trying to, you know, grow, you know, your, uh, your, your, your student, uh, students there, uh, um, as a professor at a university and, you know, cause as a professor at university, kids don't care how much a professor knows until they know how much that professor cares. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's an axiom that is a thousand percent true. And anyone that, I mean, I, I'll, I'll argue that point, <laughs> you know, to the end of time with anyone who disagrees, um, because it's at the end of the day, it comes down to process. So for Jeff, who is now making the transition to sport, what he, he's not bringing, you know, what he's bringing to the table is a skill set that is needed in sport. As what I am, what I learned in sport, it's a skill set that is very transferable in banking. You know, so ba- basically, ninety percent of what I did with the with the with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. I'm now doing with the with, 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 with the in banking. Slight variances, not much. You know, with the Cowboys, you almost like sell, sell the tickets first, 
And then you kind of like maybe a relationship is built from there. Sometimes you try to build a relationship first, but hey, you got to, you know, there were, you know, we, we were up on a timeline. We, we had a product to sell. We had to sell it and, and, and the inventory wasn't going to last forever. So there was more of an urgency to sell. And then if the, and then the relationship sometimes came later uh, as you were maintaining that customer, uh, that season ticket holder in the, in the seasons that followed. Mm-hmm. In, in banking, someone comes in, we're not selling them anything. We're not. We're building the relationship and that to know that, hey, here's what we have here to help you with your finances or, or, or whether it's a mortgage, whether it's uh, your retirement, uh, you know, whether you need an auto loan or what have you. Here's everything that we have available here. It's kind of like a little menu, but basically it's the relationship. What I'm selling you on is just having a relationship with me so I can take care of whatever your financial needs may be when they arise. Mm-hmm. And we'll create a plan together and boom. And so, again, the process is, is the, 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 you know, it, it's all the process is what is really is what carries over. I don't care what industry. So even though I started off in the NHL and then I went into tennis and then I went into Major League Baseball and, and then I went into or, or, or baseball and then, and then tennis and then into the NFL and then into academia and then back into tennis and then back. It's like, yeah, I mean. Titles changed, locations changed, but the process stayed the same, except I tried to fine tune it. I, I, I adjusted it to the situation I was in, and then you're always working on your craft, always, always working on your craft. I don't care who you are, you can get better. And and the product product is really the only thing that changes per se, right. and it's just and it's just the, 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 the it just depends the, on the environment. The product's irrelevant. It, the product right. really is ir- irrelevant. It's it, it basically you're not selling a product; you're selling yourself. Yeah, yeah. How can yeah, how can how can people get better at selling themselves? Like if you if I came to you and I said, "Hey, I, I need to get better at selling myself," how would I start? First thing you do is identify those who do it really well, and and make a concerted effort to learn from them. Ask them. Because I promise you, everyone that's really good, that's had great success, when they first started, they were in their infancy and in their careers. No one's born with, with, with skills. Like Eric Sudol um, with the Cowboys is pound for pound one of the greatest sales, uh, sports sales individuals I will ever know. But I can assure you. <laughs> you know, there was a time when, when, when you know, he was just cutting his teeth and he was getting to learn. Mm-hmm. And an intense desire to learn and to practice your craft. Though those who I've seen really develop, whether you are someone who is, has the natural gift to be a natural salesperson where it becomes a passion to the person where maybe they don't have the passion and perhaps a traditional sales job isn't what they want, but they want to get better at their process of sales using creating creating um two you know the, the two extremes there you want to pick the minds of those who are successful because there's different ways to do it there's different personalities and you want to find your matching personality that works for you mm-hmm. but at the end of the day you need to understand the concept of prospecting you need to understand the concept of it, it it's it, a lot of its volume is is feedback a lot of role playing the best sales training that I ever received. Uh, and it was 
to me, this was an ultimate game changer. Did, you know, not a surprise. It, it, it came, you know, in my time with the Cowboys, uh, Lance Tyson and Charlie Chislagi are two industry heavyweights when it comes to sports sales. Um, and Chad Estes and Doug Dawson uh, um, and Todd Fleming, they did a great job of getting those guys out. And, and we, we, we did six weeks of training for, for that sales project uh, before we made a live phone call. Uh, and, 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 and they went over every aspect of it. And we were like about two weeks where all we did was role play, role play, role play, um, before we made a live phone call that way, by the time we went live, we had, we had pretty much role played every possible scenario. And, 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 you know, at, at the end of the day, I, you know, going back to you know your question is like, how do you get good at it? Practice, practice, practice. You got you, you got to find out what works for you, what doesn't. And you know what? The only time you're going to find out what doesn't work for you is is is, is, is through trial and error. And well, uh, and and it's like it's like uh, you know your days at tennis, right? You, you yeah. hit, You return the serve. You return the serve. <laughs> you return every type of serve. You try in every type of serve and. You figure out what works best for you, right? Because it, it, it'll yeah. work. It'll pick, work differently for your teammate. Pick, pick, pick your sport. I didn't roll out my senior year in high school and learn how to play tennis then, and got a tennis scholarship uh, by the end of the year. That doesn't work out that way, you know. Basically, I started at age nine, and you know, basically years and years of lessons and and and, and academies, and and where I learned how to grip them and, and learn how to compete, and and you have good days, bad days, and everything in between, and you learn how to compete. But that is one of the things, one of the great lessons I also, in our, on our first day, when I'll, I'll remember this, you know, uh, vividly is our first day when on the job with the, with the Cowboys, we were in the Cowboys locker room the day after um, one of their games it was on a Monday and Jerry came in and, 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 and spoke to us. And then he said, you know, take you guys all get to know each other. It was like a 30 of us in the room. He's like, you guys are going to get to know each other real well throughout this project. And one of the things you're going to notice is almost everybody here has a sports background of some kind. Either they played high school or college or what have you. And uh, Jerry kind of likes hiring former former athletes um, from this standpoint. When you have a tough day at work, that softball player who struck out with a tying run on the you know in the bottom of the of the seventh inning, you know. And leaving Strandham at third, the you know the kicker who missed a game-winning field goal, you know you know the, the week before, uh, you know in my case if you know, if I you know double faulted a match away uh, on match point, um, athletes know disappointment. They know what it's like to really come really close to the goal mm-hmm. and falling short. Jerry's point was those are the people I don't need to worry about because I know after they have a tough day, what they're going to bring the next day, they're going to come back with full, with, with, with full energy to make the next day different. Those who've never played anything, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just don't, you don't, you don't have anything to gauge it by not saying that they can't be successful. I'm just saying that there's not a body of work there to go off. Uh, And so and so those who have competed know what it's like to, you know, to to get back up off the canvas, so to speak, after they've, you know, after they stumble. 
No, this, this is this has been fantastic. I uh, really enjoyed kind of listening to all the different really components that go into what you do on a day in day out basis. And, and really, I guess the bottom line of, of, you know, the last 40 minutes as we've been talking is um, at the end of the day, how do you get yourself better? How do you sell yourself? And then every day is going to change. Uh, but you got to be ready for the change, right? You, I think you you had said earlier, uh, as I was listening, to embrace the change. Uh, so if I think we can all embrace the change, uh, change can only bring good if you embrace it, right? Yeah. So, the only constant is change. Change is coming. If if you carve up a plan at 21 years of age, and this is where I'm going to be by age 32, uh, I got news for you. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. If you carve yourself up a plan where, hey, this is where I'd like to be, but focus more on, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share you this in the final moments. Best advice I ever got, again, Jerry. Uh, I remember one time, too, to our faces, Jerry said, you know, and, and this is, you know, it, this is oftentimes for a lot of folks, like the worst advice. They, they don't really, they get this advice. And it's really a bad advice that people get. <laughs> you know, how, how many people, like when you're in high school, you have a high school counselor who, who kind of means well, what have you. Oh, try to be better, you know, you know try, try to be the best at everything you can. Do this, do that, what have you, this that, and the other. Jerry basically shot that balloon down. He's like, don't try to be the best at everything. Don't try to be the jack of all trades. He'll be the master of none. What is it that you do better than anything else? Make sure you're the best at it. So that's your craft. What is it that you do? Identify it. Make it a super strength. Just make sure your weaknesses are not liabilities. I mean, you still got to be able to read and write and, and, and be able to do basic <laughs> arithmetic. Right. But, but if you have a knack for technology, if you have a knack for, for, for you know, just going up to a total stranger, striking up a conversation and got a great, you know, elevator pitch, what have you, you know, and, and there's a sales skill set there, boom. Uh, if you're someone, you know, that can, you know, that has, as the, or that is really good at overcoming objections, objections, excuse me. If, you know, if, if you're someone who can really like multitask and handle 5,000 things at one time, which I, I know I can't do, um, but it's, it, you, you, I identify that and make your, your work experience. So your, so your resume reflects that. So that when that interview opportunity comes up and it's a job you really want and they ask you, why should they hire you? You can simply basically identify, well, I thank you for the opportunity to, you know, to be interviewed for this position. But you mentioned you need A, B and C based on my you know, experiences I point to out here. Those happen to be the three things, you know, you know, th that my experience says. But this is why I do better than anything else, which is what the number one need you have. When can I start? And you mm -hmm. ask for the order right there. Other thing I learned for the Cowboys, you always ask for the order. <laughs> and so, um, and, and, and if you are whatever, identify whatever it is that you are the best at and just be the best at it. What do you do better than anything else? And that's probably, and, and if you follow that, you will be successful because people, you'll always be needed. You'll always be needed. And they're always going to want to hire the best at it. And you've already made it a mission to be the best at it. So you may set out at age 21 to work in an MLS and, you know, be a top level executive there. But what happens if, you know, all of a sudden, you know, what you would be doing there, you're just doing somewhere else. 
and a different organization. The skill sets that you set out to do, that part will stay consistent. It's where you do it and where you do it. It's what you do and where you do it that will change over time. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to Life in the Front Office. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. And for more episodes, visit us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at lifeinthefrontoffice.com. And please continue to share uh, with your colleagues on social media and help us continue to grow. Thanks.